0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 787. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Zechariah with chapter 9. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Chapter 9 has three sections. The first one is Judgment on Israel's Enemies. So remember, last week we had this blessing on Jerusalem, this blessing on Zion, the holy hill of God, and everything was going to be great. Well, the other side of that is this prophecy here, a judgment on Israel's enemies. Chapter 9, a prophecy. The word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach and will come to rest on Damascus for the eyes of all people and all the tribes of Israel are on the Lord and on Hamath too, which borders on it, and on Tyre and Sidon, though they are very skillful. Tyre has built herself a stronghold. She has heaped up silver like dust, and gold like dirt of the streets. But the Lord will take away her possessions, and destroy her power on the sea, and she will be consumed by fire. Ashkelon will see it and fear Gaza will writhe in agony and Ekron too, for her hope will wither Gaza will lose her king and Ashkelon will be deserted a mongrel people will, will occupy Ashdod and I will put an end to the pride of the Philistines I will take the blood from their mouths the forbidden fruit from between their teeth. Those who are left will belong to our God and become a clan in Judah. And Ekron will be like the Jebusites, but I will encamp at my temple to guard against marauding forces. Never again will an oppressor overrun my people. For now I am keeping watch. So lots of not good things are going to happen to the neighbors of Israel, according to the prophecy here in Zechariah. One of the ones that's interesting is... We're talking about Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon would be old Phoenicians, would be old uh, Canaanite cities, but they are also Phoenician cities. That's how we would know them in common history. And they are very wealthy because they have been trading. They've been trading throughout the Mediterranean, and they have been trading for years, and so they've heaped up silver like dust and gold in their streets, and they were very powerful at this time. And what they're told, though, is. That the Lord is going to take away their possessions and destroy her power on the sea. And that's why that's important that they are a sea going people. And she will be consumed with fire. Well, the very next. Civilization that's going to rise here in the time period just after Zechariah is going to be Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great is going to come into this region, and in fact, he is going to wage war against Tyre and Sidon. Tyre has this really strong fortress, an island off the coast of what is now Lebanon, and so they thought that they were invincible, and so they actually killed his ambassadors, and he paused in his conquest here of Asia for about seven months to wage siege against Tyre, destroyed it completely, sold everyone in it into slavery. And so the prophet Zechariah here is talking about something that's going to happen. It's going to literally happen. And then he talks about all of the people around there and how they're going to react. Ashkelon and Gaza, they're they are all going to uh, writhe in agony, see it in fear. Um, their hope will wither. A mongrel people will occupy Ashdod, and it will put an end to the pride of the Philistines. So all of this is going to happen because yet a new player, yet a new strong man on the block is going to come in. And so those, will be, those who are left will belong to our God and will become a clan in Judah and Ekron will be like the Jebusites. So he's talking about all of your uh, neighbors who have, you've been fighting with against since the time of Saul and David uh, never again will be strong enough to, to be oppressing the people of God. And, and that happens. That happens here shortly after the time period of Zechariah. And then the coming of Zion's king rejoice greatly daughter Zion shout daughter Jerusalem see your king comes to you righteous and victorious lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt the full of a donkey I will take away the chariots of Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken he will proclaim peace to the nations his rule will extend from sea to sea from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I'll announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your son Zion against your son's Greece and make you like a warrior's sword. So interesting, them. Mention there of Greece because Greece hasn't really been mentioned, I think, at this point in the Bible. This may be the one of the first mentions of Greece. And, of course, Greece is about to rise. And so I would wonder at the time period where the people thinking, yes, you know, Alexander's coming through. Is this when the prophet Zechariah's prophecy is going to take effect? And that's the trouble with prophecy is it's sometimes easier to see in hindsight when it happened. Uh, sometimes not even then, but it's hard to predict when it's going to happen. And so, as the you know Alexander comes through, maybe people were going, "Oh, look, Zechariah talked about Greece, and and maybe that's when our King is going to come." But of course, for those of us who are Christians, when we read these words, we think of the Gospels: "Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion! Shout, daughter Jerusalem! See your King comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey." And this, of course, was enacted by Jesus as he comes to the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And so that was the beginning of what we understand to be the reign of Jesus as king. But of course, Good Friday is in between there, and it didn't happen the way people expected it to happen. And that's one of the reasons why it's been difficult for people who are Jewish to see Jesus as Messiah, it's, it wasn't as expected. It wasn't what they were expecting. They were expecting a king to come with war horses and battle bows, things like this, even though it talks about the chariots of Ephraim and the war horses of Jerusalem and the battle bows were broken and proca- proclaimed peace. But uh, the expectation was proclaim peace by defeating everybody else. Uh, you could understand why they would think that. And what wasn't expected by even the disciples of Jesus was the Prince of Peace. That there was a fight going on that was bigger than the Phoenicians, that was bigger than the Greeks, that was bigger than the Babylonians, that was bigger than the Assyrians, that was bigger than the Egyptians. It was this fight between God and the devil that has been going on since the garden, at least, or since the fall of Satan, and that that was the bigger battle. And so that Jesus on Good Friday was winning a battle, not suffering a defeat, as he defeated the devil and defeated death and allows us to stand boldly before the throne of grace. And so it was unexpected. These things happened, but not in the way that we thought when we would look at these prophecies before Palm Sunday. The Lord will appear, then the Lord will appear over them. His arrow will flash like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the trumpet. He will march in the storms of the south and the Lord Almighty will shield them. They will destroy and overcome with sling stones. They will drink and roar as with wine. They will be full like a bowl used for sprinkling the corners of the altar. The Lord, their God will save his people on that day as a shepherd saves his flock. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be. Grain will make the young men thrive, and new wine the young women. Now again, I encourage you, usually when I'm reading in prophecy, and I get on that day, on that day is usually one of those things that says we're talking about the future, we're talking about the day of the Lord. And so, certainly, it's easy for me to read these verses and say, "This is Christ coming again." The Lord will appear over them; His arrow flash like lightning. Sounds very much like some of the verses in the Old Testament, then the New Testament that talk about uh, the Son of Man appearing in an instant. He will march like storms of the south, overcome with slingstones. So, this on that day thing sounds like to me, as a Christian, when I read this, as Christ coming again and Christ restoring, and reclaiming, and being revealed as king. Now, of course, that is not how the people of Zechariah's audience would have interpreted this. They might have interpreted this as the Messiah, but they might have thought that this had the same, you know, they don't have the paragraph boundaries like I have here that says the Lord will appear. So this may have sounded like it was the same thought as the coming of Zion's king. This would easily have been interpreted as one appearance by Messiah. And it's only now in retrospect that we look at it and say, oh, it's two. And that's why they put this other chapter marker here in the Lord will appear that puts this in the future tense. But we have to understand that they would not have understood that. It's hard to understand prophecy ahead of time. And it's easier to look back and say, oh, that was Palm Sunday. And so this must be Christ coming again. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast dot com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. dot com. And thanks so much for listening. Have you ever felt conflict between your faith and feelings?